Well, so these three pastors are fishing. And they've, you know, they've been fishing a while, and they're just getting more and more real. So one of the pastors says, you know, we need to get really real. I just want to confess our sins together. So the one pastor says, well, I got to tell you, I struggle with gambling, and every once in a while I sneak out at night and I go gamble. The other pastor looks at him and goes, well, since you're telling it, look, I've cheated on my taxes, and I really feel bad about it. I, I just really, I don't want to be a cheat in my taxes. Third pastor, he's sitting there, he's quiet. He's quiet, and the two pastors look at him and so, say, well, he goes, well, my sin is gossip. And I can't wait to get this boat back to land. <laughs> oh, Lord, have mercy. Anyway, didn't sound repentant. Okay, so this, this uh, older gentleman, he goes and he gets fitted for hearing aids, and uh, they get it all adjusted and goes back a week later, and the, and the doctor says, oh, my goodness, you're hearing so well. He goes, your family must be just so excited for you. He says, I haven't told him, but I'll tell you this. I've changed my will three times. <laughs> I think that's a message on gossip, both of those, right? All right. Well, Lord, help us. <laughs> Lord, help us to rightly divide the word of truth. Lord, I pray right now that there would be this sense of hope throughout all the songs set this morning, the lyrics, the the encouragement, Lord, that uh, the battleground areas, there is a place of hope. Even the, the word that Kenny shared after was that God is going to release such a season of hope and a time of refreshing. Lord, I pray that this message this morning, Holy Spirit, you'd put wings on it. Reach down, Lord. Change us. We said if we would, Romans 12 says, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, let God, we got to let him. This is that free will. Let God change the way you think. And if you do, he will show you his perfect plan and his will for your life. God, I pray that we'll be letting you in this morning. You transform us, Holy Spirit. You are the spirit of truth, and we want to know what the truth is because the truth sets us free. And whom the Son, Jesus Christ, sets free is truly free indeed. And we thank you, Lord, for freedom this morning. Amen. Well, if you pull out your outline, I've titled the message this morning, The Kingdom Privilege of Casting All Your Cares on Him. And it's almost like, uh, Lord, I was praying, I had the privilege, Jack Taylor was here a couple weeks ago, and he said, son, I need you to come down and come to my conference in Florida. So I flew to Melbourne and then on to Titusville, and I got to share the word and preach with uh, Leif Hetland and Jack Taylor, and some of the old generals were there. Um, Charles Caron, 87 years old. That guy is as bright and as sharp as they go. These are guys that ran. You got Peter Lord, Charles Caron, Jack Taylor, uh, R.T. Kendall, and it's like, Mom used to tell me about these. They, they were the ones that came into the Holy Ghost in the Baptist movement back in the 70s and set the, we're still setting the world on fire. You read some of the Charisma Magazine articles, R.T. Uh, Kendall has written about the Holy Spirit and fire. And those guys are as bright and as fired up. I want to stay that way. Come on, Lord. And so, so they have, we're at this retreat center where um, Peter Lord's son had, uh, was preaching. He preached there, I think, for for 30 years himself. And they have this retreat center, 
and they give you these rooms, and every room has scripture all over it. They, they've actually labeled each room with a scripture. So I went to sign in, and they said, oh, we're going to put you in Joel 2 room. I said, oh, that's good, Joel 2. Oh, sorry, that's full. It's like, oh, okay. Oh, we're going to put you in the Galatians 2.20 room. I said, oh, that's good too. He goes, oh, well, the key's out on that one. Where's that? I said, come on, Lord, what's up with this? And he, so they put me in 1 Peter 5.7. And I walk in, you know, my Navy background, there's an anchor there, there's a cast net, and I'm sleeping under this, cast your cares upon him, for he cares about you. And I'd been praying, Lord, what do you want to share with your people this week? He said, well, that'd be good. I said, okay, I got it. So you're going to get it. And so this kingdom privilege, let me ask you this first. What are some of the privileges for us as a result of being kingdom children? Just give me some. Eat, come on, that ought to be like at the eternal life. We were in prayer this morning at 9.30. By the way, anyone who would like to join us for pre-service prayer at 9.30 to about quarter of 10 any Sunday morning, you come and be in the prayer room. But this morning I was just like eternal life. We're already in eternity. Do you know you're living, in, if you're born again, you, you, first of all, you're going to live forever, one place or the other. He's real clear about that. You're either a child of God or a child of the devil. There's no like, I'm half in, half. No, you're not. And so, praise God, we're children of the King, the Most High. He says, I'm going to give you eternal life. I can't even get my head into that one. Eternity. You're already living in eternity. We're all about this existence, right? Most of the time we're focused there. But you're already living in eternity. If your name has been written in the Lamb's book of life, then you're already there. And it's like eternal life. Like, that's like forever. <laughs> All right, some other privileges. Party. Oh, authority. It's in the book. It's in the book, right? It says when we come to the Lamb's Wedding feast, it's going to be a big party. Come on now. So authority, okay, authority's good. Amen. What else? Peace, man. Prince of peace. Shalom. We can go through all sorts, and we can have the prince of peace. In fact, that's a calling card. Many folks say, wow, how are you doing this? You already had one. No, no. <laughs> you can have more than one. Rachel. The father. Having a father. There, we were down in the conference this weekend, and uh, this past weekend, the Father's love, you know, Brother Leif, I love him. I've invited him back. We'll figure out when he come. But um, having the Father's love, those who have not had that experience, and in fact, the book says there are fatherless areas. He's become the father to the fatherless. And every one of us has fatherless areas that he hasn't revealed that truth. And when we get to the revelation, my papa, it's just good. And he loves me. Then you don't have to, no wonder you can cast your cares on him. You know, little Jonah, I love him. Jonah's dancing around. He's doing all his things. He's not worried about where lunch is coming tonight. He's not worrying about it because Papa Michael has got him. Right? And he comes over the other night at their house. Little, he comes and he's tired. He comes over, Daddy, Daddy. And, come here, come here, come here, come here. That's exactly the picture we ought to get. Our Papa, he's good. Good. One more. Come on. Wow. That's a good thing. So God planted you in the right place. Some of us in bitter neighborhoods said, we wouldn't have chosen. 
But God is good there too. Healing and wholeness. Well, we could go on. It's like, so if you think about the privileges, the world longs for a lot of the stuff you just put out there. Sometimes we got to get the stuff out of our own brain and say, golly, God, Holy Spirit led, protection, promises, relationships with an eternal God, exceeding abundance. He says, I will do exceedingly and abundantly above all you'd ever ask or even think about. Come on, what is that like? And then he goes, eye hasn't seen and ear hasn't heard what God has prepared for those who love him. But he's revealed it by the Spirit, man. We know it's like the Holy Spirit saying, it's going to be really good. My brain's going, what is it? You have no clue, you know. Sometimes my brain talks to me. Anyway, let's, uh, let, me, let me ask you to open to 1 Peter 5. 1 Peter 5. We've shared on this a few months back. We did a study on First and Second Peter. I taught a lot on it about the, these epistles that Peter had. In fact, we know that Second Peter was just before his death by Nero. But he writes this. It's just powerful stuff. In 1 Peter 5, he gives advice to the elders and the young men about caring for the flock and being submitted to those who have had more wisdom and experience. But I want to pick up at verse 6, 1 Peter 5, 6. I'm going to read it out of the New Living, but I'm going to also look at King James. So, humble yourselves under the mighty power of God, and at the right time... He will lift you up in honor. Give all your worries and cares to God, for he cares about you. Stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. Stand firm against him and be strong in your faith. And remember that your Christian brothers and sisters all over the world are going through the same kind of suffering that you are. King James, verse 7, he says, Casting all your cares upon him, for he cares about you. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walks about seeking whom he may devour whom resist steadfast in faith, knowing that the same afflictions that are accomplished in your brethren are that are in the world. When you look at some of these words, cast, I've listed them under the title here. It means to throw forcefully in a specified direction. So I want you to take all your cares right now, whatever's at the top of your list, put it in a ball right here. Come on, humor me. Take your trouble. You got it? You got your trouble right now? Throw it out of here. Forcefully get rid of that care and that worry. Well, where? Upon him. Throw it to him. He's got it. He can take the fastball. I got it. Why? Because he cares. How? Forcefully and thoroughly. So when you look at these cares, I want to unpack this and look at some of the actual language behind it. When he says, so humble yourselves under the mighty power. And at the right time, he will lift you up, interesting, in honor. Number one there, it's humility and timing seem to be ingredients 
to honor that lifts you up. I was having breakfast with Steve Brock. Some of you remember Steve Brock sang on TBN with Benny Hinn many, many times. In fact, he's probably wants, he wants to come here and, and share. Boy, he can still sing. Good night. He got singing at the piano, and, and he, we were having breakfast, and I was talking to him about my room, and I said, I'm thinking about this sermon. He goes, let me give you one. And he, he quoted this to me. He goes, that, that's right there. It said, under number one, it says, could it be that trust is the purest form of humility? Unpack that a little bit. Could it be that trust is the purest form of of humility. Remember what God said, who was the most humble man in the Bible? Moses, right? Did he say that? My servant Moses is, the, and I, I don't picture Moses as being real humble. Raised by Pharaoh, rough dude, murder, so he's out there, he's facing Pharaoh, let my people go. And I'm like, really? But did he trust God? Man, did he trust God. We're up against the wall here, Lord, and the Pharaoh and his army are coming. Well, lift your staff and let's open the Red Sea. That seems like there would be a lot of trust in that one. Right? So on and on. So there's something about, because trust reveals the true revelation of what you believe. If you and I believe God, then all this noise, would Paul say these minor afflictions? Come on. Paul said, well, I'd like to... I won't brag, but I'll brag. Then he goes on. He says, I am the, probably the least of all the apostles, but I've worked really hard, right? He goes, I've been left for dead. I've been stoned. I've been shipwrecked. I've been snake bit. And they, these are just minor afflictions. Really? Knocked, blinded on your, uh, uh, after you're walking to, on the road to Damascus? Something about trust reveals it's the opposite of fear. And doubt. And I want to unpack this a little more. He goes on and he says, you know, humility and timing. How many can agree that timing is important? In fact, a word of God, if, if the Lord tells you to do something, there's usually several other pieces of it. The word of the Lord. What do you say, Abraham? Get up and go. Well, when? He got up early the next morning and went. There are others. If you get the timing of the Lord out of, out of its sequence, look at Abraham later. You're going to have a son. Well, he's in his late, uh, not having children in the natural anymore. So what does he do? He listens to his wife about, here, take my handmaiden, Hagar. And if you get yourself out of alignment in the timing with God, you get Ishmael results. So the word of God connected with the timing of God and the strategy of God, they all got to go together. So when you go, oh, I got a word. You, okay, when, Lord? Confirm it for me. And what's the strategic plan of this word? That matters. Because I like what Ecclesiastes says there. If, if you want to turn there, we could, we could do that. In Ecclesiastes chapter 3, in verse 1. Not a book we often look at. But we'll look at it this morning, just before Isaiah. Hello. It was in my Bible this morning. <laughs> There it is. Solomon writes this. It's an interesting book, boy. Whew. And then he gets done. He goes, he's had everything, right? He's had, he's had everything. He had the wealth. He had everything. And at the end of it, he concludes in Ecclesiastes 12, right? The only important thing 
is to serve God and honor him. He said, I've tried it all, and guess what? He closes with, here's the whole story. I'm now in Ecclesiastes 12, 13. Here's now my final conclusion. Fear God, obey his commands, for this is the duty of everyone. God will judge for everything we do, including the secret things, whether it's good or bad. Turn back to chapter 3. It says that God has, in verse, let's look at verse 11. God has made everything beautiful for its time. He's planted eternity in the human heart. But even so, people can't see the whole scope of God's work from the beginning to the end. Everything is beautiful in its own time. I had to laugh to myself. You know, I took my grandson, my eight-year-old grandson, hunting yesterday, and he always cracks me. All my grandkids, they come out with some stuff. Our little two-year-old, was it, she's going to be three, right, little Holland? We walked outside the Ginny. My wife gets to watch her on Thursdays while our granddaughter's in school, and she walked out. It was dark, and she goes, where's the moon? The moon's hiding. Where's the moon? I think the moon got lost. It's like they come out with this. Well, so picture this. Grandpa, we're driving. I was talking to him about eternal things, and it reminded me of something he had said way back. He goes, Grandpa, did God make you? I say, sure did. He looked in, the, he's got, you know, a little flip-down mirror thing there. Looks in that mirror, looks over at me. He says, Grandpa, did God make me? I say, sure did. I say, yeah, he sure, he sure did. He says, Grandpa, did he make you a long time ago? Not that long ago, Zay, but, you know. He goes, uh, Grandpa? He looks in the mirror at himself. He goes, I think he's getting better at it now. <laughs> I said, Zay, uh, I don't know about that, but... Uh, The message there is that God makes everything beautiful in its time. I wanted to say I was beautiful once. <laughs> ah, Lord. All right, so God makes everything beautiful in its own time, right? If we'll forcefully cast, number two there, forcefully cast away, that's a, a de deliberate act. Every one of us are walking through stuff. I don't care. We could spend a whole day sharing our woes, right? But if you will intentionally choose to cast off. This thing is bothering me. It's stealing my rest, my peace, my thought life. I'm anxious. I'm afraid. You need to forcefully cast that away. Because if not, here's the danger. What did he say? What did Paul tell his son Timothy, his spiritual son Timothy about fear? That's in John. Perfect love casts out fear. True. But he told Timothy, God has not given you a spirit, now listen, a spirit of fear. He's given you power, love, and a soundness of your mind. That's good advice from a spiritual papa. Now, if God didn't give you the spirit of fear, who did? Okay, so Satan is the author of fear, the spirit of fear. And so what he's saying is, if you operate in your worries and you're cast down by all this, you're carrying this burden. Over and over again, Jesus said, I've overcome the world 
be of good cheer. There's going to be tribulation, but I've overcome it. He, he tells you, cast all your cares and your burdens on me. My, my burden is light. You know, take my burden on you. Don't pick up your own. Now, you've got to walk through this stuff, but there's a, the body of Christ would be a whole lot healthier, and we would operate in the privilege, like Richard said, we could walk in peace. The fruit of the Spirit can manifest. And when the world is in a really tough place and things are going, it's like, oh, we just carry that love, joy, peace, goodness, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, mercy, and self-control. There is something about casting your burdens on him. Take the doubt. What, because if you get consumed by the cares of life, he warns us in the good seed in the soil, in Luke 8, there at the bottom of that second uh, line there, if you get consumed by the cares of life, it'll choke out the life of God. And it'll stunt the maturity growth. Number three, it says, he tells us to watch out for this great enemy. Great enemy, adversary, prowling and looking. You know, fear, the enemy loves to guess. John Wimber, you say this, he says, when... Uh, who was the founder of the Vineyard Association, he would said, when you operate in fear, in fact, you turn the running lights on for Beelzebub, the devil, the Lord of the flies. He kind of sees the landing gear and says, oh, that one's operating in fear. Let's go land there. Because in fear, there's doubt, unbelief, all sorts of stuff happening. In fact, this interesting scripture in Job, um, we won't turn there, but Job 3.25, that's a just... You talk about scripture intention. Job 3.25, Job says this. What I have always feared has happened to me. What I have dreaded has come true. It's almost like you're trolling with your fear for the devil to just hook in. And you just bring it home. There's something about fear. Now, there's good fear, there's godly fear. It says we're supposed to fear the Lord. We're supposed to reverentially honor him. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, right? There are godly things. You know, when a two-year-old in traffic, you need to be afraid there's traffic. A snake, you need to be afraid of that snake. That's wisdom. But what we're talking about here is the spirit that is behind this thing. Why don't you turn with me? I want to have you look. Another unfamiliar scripture we look at that not that often is in Habakkuk. Habakkuk. Chapter 3. I'm sorry, yeah, Habakkuk chapter 3. I want us to look at what Habakkuk, this prophet, in fact, Israel had sinned and the, Israel was getting tested for all of the mess. In fact, God was raised, this is about 600 B.C., the prophet Habakkuk. If you find Nahum, find Micah, go to the right. And Habakkuk is stuck between Zephaniah and Nahum. So you just kind of an unfamiliar look here. But let's just, there's something he just says that's awesome. And we've quoted this many times. In fact, in Habakkuk 2, remember it says, The earth shall be filled with the knowledge and the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. There's going to be a revelation that's going to come on the earth. And who, many are thinking we're, we're positioned and poised because of all the history that has now come together in these last 2,000 years. Israel and the nation, and I could go on a long trip on that one, but I just, we're about ready to see, I believe, 
a major move of God. There's such optimism. We don't get any of that in the news, but I just sat with world leaders who've been in probably 40 different nations in the last year. And the stories coming out of even Cuba and, and South America and what we see in Nepal and India, which we've shared, it's like, good mercy, God. Things are positioned. So we see this glory of the Lord is rising. But Habakkuk goes on, there's all this promise, but look at the last part of Habakkuk chapter 3, the close of the book, verse 17. Habakkuk's attitude was this. You there? Habakkuk's 3.17, even though, even though, the fig tree has no blossoms, and there are no grapes on the vines, even though the olive crop fails, and the fields lie empty and barren, even though the flocks die in the fields and the cattle barns are empty, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in the Lord my God, my salvation. The sovereign Lord is my strength and he makes me sure-footed as a deer, able to tread upon the heights. You hear Abacuc's heart? It's like, man, I love the blessings. It's really easy to bless the Lord when you're being blessed. But we're supposed to be a people that even when the fields don't look good, I will rejoice in the God of my salvation. Because why? We have eternal life. It's going to be all right. We sing, we sing that song, everything's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. Whether he takes me through the fire, around the fire, out of the fire, it's going to be okay. What did the three kids say? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? We won't bend our knee, and even if he doesn't, we won't bend our knee. You can put us in the furnace. Now, God chose to take them out of the furnace. But I like the attitude of those kind of heroes, and Habakkuk had the same attitude. Well, let's now turn to Luke 10, and I want to see how we walk in this place. What are some of the tools in the toolbox of the privileged that allows us to walk this out. Luke chapter 10. Real familiar scripture if you've been on a mission trip with us or you do deliverance with us or inner healings. This scripture is kind of a foundational scripture. Jesus, in the prior chapters, had sent out his disciples. Then he just randomly, look at number, uh, verse 1 of chapter 10 of Luke. He randomly chooses 70, 72 the Lord chooses, verse 1, 72 disciples and sends them out in pairs to go to towns and places he planned to visit. He says, I'm sending you out as lamb among the wolves. He gives them their assignment, verse 8 and 9. Heal the sick. Tell them the kingdom of God is near. Anyone, verse 16, anyone who accepts your message accepts me. And they come back from their mission assignment with like, whoo, it's the after action report, Right? So how was it? Jesus hears from the, can you imagine being a, I've been in these meetings. Matter of fact, I love it when we come back from the, the, some of our outreaches and God is just like, whoa, he used us powerfully. And so here's the 72 debriefing with Jesus and, he's, and they come out and says, look at verse 17. He says, when the 72 disciples returned, they joyfully reported to him the first thing, Lord, even the demons obey us when we use your name. Now they could have said, the blind eye got opened, the, the dead were raised, the, the leper was cleansed, but they were just kind of amazed 
that they had this level of authority over the demonic realm. When we said the name of Jesus, they listened to us. Jesus says, yes, verse 18. He told them, I saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning. Now, come on now. 72 disciples, probably not well trained, but yet Satan's falling himself, his kingdom, the hierarchy of evil, falls when they're doing ground-level warfare on people in villages two by two. That ought to get you excited. It does me. Look, verse 19, I have given you authority over all power of the enemy. Now, we just read before, in Peter, he says, be careful, he, he's prowling around. But you can have authority and walk among snakes and scorpions and crush them. You can. Not everybody does. Oh, I don't want to do that. Well, he says you can. In fact, Peter tells you, you better. <laughs> Nothing will injure you. Whoa. But don't rejoice because evil spirits obey you. Rejoice because your names are registered in heaven. There's that humility thing again. Let's keep the main thing, the main thing. You're a born-again, eternal son or daughter of God, and that's important. Yeah, kicking the devil around is good. Verse 21, I love this part. He says, at the same time, that's like right then, they get this message, and it says, Jesus was filled with the joy of the Holy Spirit. Jesus is like, yay! Why is he yaying? Father, Lord of heaven and earth, thank you for hiding these things from those who think of themselves wise and clever and revealing them to the childlike. Yes, Father, it pleased you to do it that way. Let's unpack this. There's lots of meat, bone, meat around this one, right? It says, your great enemy prowling around looking for whom he may devour. Well, first of all, what's he looking for? Come on. What is this devil who's prowling around? What's he, if, if he could look, if the, and the devil, if he could look across families, what's the devil looking for? Weak places, open doors, right? It's kind of like, there was a guy in this meeting. He was like six foot six. He had arms as big as my head. He was like, and I'm like, call. He, I'm, he's sitting there, I'm, do you think I'd pick a fight with him? If we had a disagreement, we need to negotiate. Because I'd plumb get hurt. So when the devil knows that you are armed and dangerous and you can crush his head, because what did he say in Romans 16? The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. When that devil knows what you know about who you are and who he is, do you think that devil's going to pick a fight with you? No. But if he can come to a place where Drugs, immorality, lies, deception. Those doors are open. The devil goes, ooh, open door there. He comes and he starts chewing on your family, starts chewing on your health. What does Jesus say? He says, don't you give him any room. Why don't we get cleansed by the blood of Jesus, figure out who we are in Christ, and then we'll stand there like this. You want to mess with me? Guess what? My daddy. You know my daddy? You're going to meet my daddy. He gave me full authority over you. I'll tell you what, when we've been in some dark places, I have reiterated this one to the Lord. Lord, did you say this? Did, did you mean this? I remember in Boma, Tanzania, someplace. I've been in Belém, Brazil. I said, Lord, did you, did you really mean did, 
He did. And we've come up against some dark places, and man, there are stories that this team could tell you. So what's the point? If he tells us, watch out, he tells us to make sure you understand you need to cast away your worries because your worries are opening doors, that you are revealing some of your fear. It's a place the enemy can stand. Now, number four there, it says, we are to know our authority, and we are to stand up and resist the enemy, and we're to avoid giving the devil anything to devour. So there's our authority. Now, I just came across this scripture. I was looking about, I was sitting next to an evangelist. She was 79 years old on the flight back from uh, Charlotte to Wilmington. And uh, no, I'm sorry, from Florida to Charlotte. And uh, we're sitting there, and we just, I'm working on my sermon. I'm looking, and we started chatting. She pulls out her card, some evangelist. This lady was from the mountains of Tennessee. <laughs> and I loved it. She says, when I got the Holy Ghost. She started telling me about stuff. When I got the Holy Ghost, I got in trouble with the denomination I was in. And she's talking about years ago. She goes, but I love the Holy Ghost. And she was talking about the power of God. And says, and says, you could tell this lady had, she had been cut from the rock. You know, it was like, and we're starting to talk, and we're talking about authority and then what, what God had done. And, and this scripture then came to mind in, in Malachi. Let's turn to Malachi chapter 3. Malachi chapter 3, as my friend George likes to call it, you know, George Casola, he's not Irish, and uh, he says, this is Malachi, right? Isn't that it, George? This is Malachi, the Italian prophet. So he, he loves this one. And uh, anyway, it works for me. So in, in Malachi chapter 3, wouldn't you like to know how the Lord empowers us and what the Lord does, he's first, he's given, us, he's given us authority. It's by his name, right? Well, here's this interesting scripture. They use it in, in tithing, but I really want to look at it. I'd like to know what is it that draws the favor of God that increases our authority in the earth so that I can stand under it. That's just a good thing. Well, let's pick up in verse, um, well, let's pick for verse 6. Malachi 3.6. I am the Lord, and I change not. Boy, you could say la rot there. <laughs> Therefore, you sons of Jacob are not consumed. In other words, if I had changed, you guys would already be toast. <laughs> That's what he's saying. Even though the days of your father are gone away from, the, mine, from mine ordinances, and you've not kept them, return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. So they'd wandered. But you said, well, where is it that we need to return? Will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. But you say, where have we robbed thee? In tithes and offerings. You're cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. All of Israel had robbed him of the tithes and offerings. Bring the tithes and the offerings, where? Into the storehouse, that there may be meat in my house, and prove me now herewith, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open the windows of heaven... And pour you out a blessing that there shall not be room enough for you to receive it. Here's the operative, verse 11. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes. And he shall not destroy the fruit of your ground. Neither shall your vine cast her fruit before its time in the field, says the Lord of hosts. The Lord rebukes the devourer for our sake. 
Now, the storehouse, many literally say, bring the tithes and bring the offerings. And I've just listed a whole bunch of scripture there uh, next to that one under number five. Luke eleven forty two. Once you turn back there, you could see the same thing in Matthew 23, but turn back. We were in Luke 10. Let's go back to Luke's gospel and just flip a page to Luke 11. Here's another thing that draws. Last week, we, I preached on the, the favor of God is expensive, and we looked at what draws in favor. Here's another example. Verse 28, Luke eleven twenty-eight. 28. Jesus replies, in fact, this woman yells out in verse 27, speaking to the crowd, a woman yells, blessed is your mother and the womb that you came from. Verse 28, Jesus replies, but even more blessed are those who hear the word of God and put it into practice. So when we become doers of the word, they become, he says you're going to be blessed. Turn over. That same chapter, he has this interchange with the Pharisees, and he's always on their case. They were so hypocritical. But in verse 42, he says, what sorrow awaits the Pharisees? For you're careful to tithe even the tiniest income from your herb gardens, but you ignore justice, you ignore love, and you, the more important things of God. And Jesus says this, this red letter, you should tithe, yes, but do not neglect the more important things. See, tithes, if you want to turn to Matthew 23, 3, we could do that, we won't. It's the exact words. Well, what are you saying, Pastor? Tithing and offerings are Christianity 101. He says those are basics. You should do that. But let me tell you, there's more important things about love and justice and purpose. He says, and that draws favor. We saw that, right? I've already listed here also. We won't go there because we were there last week. Acts chapter 10 with Cornelius. Here's a Roman officer. And that Roman officer, because of his prayers, it says he was a devout man of God. And because of his prayers and alms to the poor, an angel appears to him in a vision, connects him with Peter, and then they find out, God can't stay away from you, Cornelius. He sends Peter there. Peter, before Peter even gets to Cornelius' Roman home, the Holy Spirit shows up in power and they're all baptized in the Holy Ghost. In fact, it's a shock when Peter goes back and says, these Gentiles, they've got the same power that we got. Should we deny them? No. And that's when Peter and the rest, they said, this is a word for the Gentiles as well. So the point here is, we have been given authority We've been given the word. If you walk in the word, you'll be blessed. There are things he says, God says, I will give you a rebuking power. In fact, I will come if you will do what the word says. There's something about giving to the poor. Plenty of other scriptures go through um, what Solomon writes in Proverbs. When you give to the poor, you loan to God. And it says he'll be a debtor to no man. And you can look at others, the, the offerings that are done in Corinthians and in Hebrews. Many of you say, well, what, well Pastor, Hebrews, um, what about that? Hebrews, in fact, I listed it there in Hebrews 7. Abraham gave tithes and offerings. He gave a 10% tithe 400 years before the law ever came into Moses. Those who say, oh, well, that's Old Testament. Oh, really? Before there ever was a law, there was a giving of 10% to Melchizedek from Abraham. So there's something, I, I want to know these things, because as we go into the earth, you know, we're kind of an edgy church. We go places where a lot of churches don't want to go, 
or let me say it this way, haven't been given that assignment. I don't want to be prideful about it. We've been given an assignment. I've often said, Lord, I want us to be known in heaven as when you say go there, go to Global River because they'll say yes, I want us to be a yes church. But when we say yes, that can put you in places like where there's been shootings downtown where we walk in a project area where even the ambulances are escorted in by the police department and we take a crew down there with our kids and we serve hot dogs. Well, when we do that, I need to know that the Lord's going to rebuke the devourer for our sake because it would be foolish for me to preach this word and not tell you these are the things that you and I can do so that he will, in fact, rebuke the devourer and we can know our authority in those places. So let's, let's get this word down in our heart. All right, I want to land this thing. It says, when we look at the, the declaration that comes out of Malachi and these other places, Jesus himself said these things. Number six, we are to be a kingdom people that live in kingdom awareness. We say, Pastor, what's, what is the kingdom of God? I've listed there, Romans 14, 17, 6a. He tells us what the kingdom is. Now, you can unpack this. It's righteousness, which is right thinking and right behavior. If you'll think right, what does that mean? Think the way the scriptures say. <laughs> Do what this word says. That's in 2 Timothy 3.16. You'll be prepared and ready and equipped for all good works. If you do what's in this book, then, and if you meditate it day and night, what did he tell us, right? He told Joshua, meditate on it day and night. Don't let it depart from you. Right thinking followed by right behavior. That's what Jesus said. It's great to hear the word, but guess what? It's more blessed if you do what it says. That's righteousness, and the kingdom is right thinking, right behavior, and it's peace. Peace is an outflow of knowing who my papa is. And knowing that no matter what I see, just like Habakkuk said, I don't care what's going on externally. Well, I do, but even if it's not going the best I think it is, I'm not going to lose my joy on this because no matter how it is, even if I die of starvation, it's going to be all right. But yet he said, I've never seen the righteous begging bread. Hmm. What is that? Peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Righteousness, peace, joy in the Holy Spirit. Joy and peace are the byproducts. He goes on and he tells us, if it hasn't happened once, it happened a hundred times. I've had 633 flashed in front of me every which direction. I, it'll come on. It'll be time. I, like, wake up, open my eyes, 630. Lord, I'm, I'm hoping you're telling me I'm getting this. You're just affirming it. Matthew 633 says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And everything that you need will be added to you. Are you seeking first the kingdom of God? And the righteousness, if you do, he promises, you may not get everything you want, but your needs will be met. In fact, if he withholds something, it's probably because the timing was wrong or it was going to mess us up. He goes on in Philippians there at the bottom. He says, Philippians 4.19, my God shall supply all our needs according to his riches in glory. By whom? Christ Jesus. As we get ready to take communion, I want to thank you. We stepped out in faith. We've sent over $4,000 to Nepal and India. 240 pastors, 111 children, 
30 seminary students and 20 staff. Each got $10. Our key leaders, I gave a little extra for their families. So we've stepped out and one, I thank you. The bake sale, I think Lisa was like four, $400 last week, so thank you. And we've, we've been able to do the Samaritan's Purse. I think 64 or 5, something like that, went out with the shoe boxes that are going to go around the world, which are going to touch people. The uh, angel blessing will go today, and if you've got one of those, and I think there's, is there a place to put it back there? Right back there. Okay. So in the back, they're collecting all. Christine's saying yes. Right back there. If So we've got our angel tree thing. All right. So I want to thank you all for that offering that's gone out. We learned some things from Reese Howell when we did the study of an intercessor who's with the Lord now. Reese had this practice that if he had it, something had come in, and your need was greater than his in the timing, maybe he needed to pay the mortgage next week, but he had it now. Here. And the Lord never let him down. 